Chapter 18 of The Humbugs of the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rosie. The Humbugs of the World by P.T. Barnum. Trade and Business Impositions. Chapter 18. Adulterations of Food. Adulterations of Liquor. The Colonel's Whiskey. The Humbugometer. It was about 850 years before Christ when the young prophet cried out to his master Elisha over the pottage of wild gourds, There is death in the pot! It was 2,670 years afterward, in 1820, that Akum, the chemist, cried out over again, There is death in the pot, in the title page of a book so named, which gave almost everybody a pain in the stomach, with its horrid stories of the unhealthful humbugs sold for food and drink. This excitement has been stirred up more than once since Mr. Hume's time, with some success, yet nothing is more certain than that a very large proportion of the food we eat, of the liquid we drink, always excepting good well-filtered water, and the medicines we take, not to say a word about the clothes we wear and the miscellaneous merchandise we use, is more or less adulterated with cheaper materials. Sometimes these are merely harmless, as flour, starch, annatto, lard, etc. Sometimes they are vigorous, destructive poisons, as red lead, arsenic, strychnine, oil of vitriol, potash, etc. It is not agreeable to find ourselves so thickly beset by humbugs, to find that we are not merely called on to see them, to hear them, to believe them, to invest capital in them, but to eat and drink them. Yet so it is, and if my short discussion of this kind of humbug shall make people a little more careful, and help them to preserve their health, I shall think myself fortunate. To begin with bread. Alum is very commonly put into it by the bakers to make it white. Flour of inferior quality, runny flour, and even that from wormy wheat, ground up worms, bugs, and all, is often mixed in as much as the case will bear. Potato flour has been known to be mixed with wheat, and so, thirty years ago, were plaster of Paris, bone dust, white clay, etc. But these are little used now, if at all, and the worst things in bread, aside from bad flour, which is bad enough, is usually the alum. It is often put in ready mixed with salt, and it accomplishes two things, viz. to make the bread white and to suck up a good deal of water and make the bread weigh well. It has been sometimes found that the alum was put in at the mill instead of the bakery. Milk is most commonly adulterated with cold water, and many are the jokes on the milkman about their best cow being choked, etc., by a turnip in the pump spout, their cow with the wooden tail, i.e. the pump handle, and so on. Awful stories are told about the London milkmen who are said to manufacture a fearful kind of medicine to be sold as milk, the cream being made of a quantity of calf brains beaten to a slime. Stories are told around New York, too, of a mysterious powder sold by druggists, which with water makes milk, but it is milk that must be used quickly, or it turns into a curious mess. But the worst adulteration of milk is to adulterate the old cow herself, as is done in the swill milk establishments which received such an exposure a few years ago in a city paper. This milk is still furnished, and many a poor little baby is daily suffering convulsions from its effects. So difficult is it to find real milk for babies in the city, that physicians often prescribe the use of what is called condensed milk instead, which, though very different from milk not evaporated, is at least made of the genuine article. A series of careful experiments to develop the milk humbug was made by a competent physician in Boston within a few years, but he found the milk there, aside from swill milk, adulterated with nothing worse than water, salt, and burnt sugar." tea is bejuggled first by john chinaman who is a very cunning rascal and second by the seller here green and black tea are made from the same plant but by different processes 
the green being most expensive. To meet the increased demand for green tea, Master John takes immense quantities of black tea and paints it by stirring into it over a fire a fine powder of plaster Paris and Prussian blue at the rate of half a pound to each hundred pounds of tea. John also sometimes takes a very cheap kind and puts on a nice gloss by stirring it in gum water with some stove polish in it. We may imagine ourselves, after drinking this kind of tea, with a beautiful black gloss on our insides. John, moreover, manufactures vast quantities of what he plainly calls lye tea. This is dust and refuse of tea leaves and other leaves, made up with dust and starch or gum into little lumps, and used to adulterate better tea. 750,000 pounds of this nice stuff were imported into England in one period of 18 months. It seems to be used in New York only for green tea. Coffee is adulterated with chicory root, which costs only about one-third as much, dandelion root, peas, beans, mangold wurzel, wheat, rye, acorns, carrots, parsnips, horse chestnuts, and sometimes with livers of horses and cattle. All these things are roasted or baked to the proper color and consistency, and then mixed in. No great sympathy need be expended on those who suffer from this particular humbug, however, for when it is so easy to buy the real berry, and roast or at least grind it oneself, it is our own fault if our laziness leaves us to eat all those sorts of stuff. Cocoa is extended with sugar, starch, flour, iron rust, Venetian red, grease, and various earths but it is believed by pretty good authority that the American-made preparations of cocoa are nearly or quite pure. Even if they are not, the whole bean can be used instead. Butter and lard have one-tenth and sometimes even one-quarter of water mixed up in them. It is easy to find this out by melting a sample before the fire and putting it away to cool, when the humbug appears by the grease going up and the water, perhaps turbid with whey, settling below. Honey is humbugged with sugar or molasses. Sugar is not often sanded, as the old stories have it. Fine white sugar is sometimes floured pretty well, and brown sugar is sometimes made of a portion of good sugar with a cheaper kind mixed in. Inferior brown sugars are often full of a certain crab-like animalcule or minute bug, often visible without a microscope, in water where the sugar is dissolved. It is believed that this pleasing insect sometimes gets into the skin and produces a kind of itch. I do not believe there is much danger of adulteration in good loaf or crushed white sugar, or good granulated or brown sugar. Pepper is mixed with fine dust, dirt, linseed meal, ground rice, or mustard and wheat flour. Ginger with wheat flour colored by turmeric and reinforced by cayenne. Cinnamon is sometimes not present at all in what is so called, the stuff being the inferior and cheaper cassia bark. Sometimes it is only part cassia. Sometimes the humbug part of it is flour and ochre. Cayenne pepper is mixed with cornmeal and salt, Venetian red, mustard, brick dust, fine sawdust, and red lead mustard with flour and turmeric. Confectionery is often poisoned with Prussian blue, Antwerp blue, gamboge, ultramarine, chrome yellow, red lead, white lead, vermilion, Brunswick green, and shields green, or arsenite of copper. Never buy any confectionery that is colored or painted. Vinegar is made of whiskey, or of oil of vitriol. Pickles have verdigris in them to make them a pretty green. Pretty green he must be who will eat bought pickles. Preserved fruits often have verdigris in them, too. An awful list. Imagine a meal of such bewitched food where the actual articles are named. Take some of the alum bread. Have a cup of pea soup and chicory coffee. I'll trouble you for the oil of vitriol, if you please. Have some sawdust on your meat, or do you prefer this flour and turmeric mustard? A piece of this verdigris preserved gooseberry pie, madam? 
"'Won't you put a few more sugar-bugs in your ash-leaf tea? "'Do you prefer black tea or Prussian blue tea? "'Do you like your tea with swill-milk or without?' "'I have not left myself space to speak of the tricks "'played by the druggists and the liquor-dealers, "'but I propose to devote another chapter exclusively "'to the adulteration of liquors in this country. "'It is a subject so fearful and so important "'that nothing less than a chapter can do it justice. "'I must now end with a story or two and a suggestion or two. Old Colonel P. sold much whiskey, and his manner was to sell by sample out of a pure barrel overnight, at a marvellous cheap rate, and then to rectify before morning under pretense of coopering and marking. Certain persons, having a grudge against the colonel, once made an arrangement with a carman, who executed their plan thus. He went to the colonel and asked to see whiskey. The jolly old fellow took him downstairs and showed him a great cellar full. Carman samples a barrel. First rate colonel how do you sell it colonel names his price on the rectified basis well colonel how much you got so many barrels two or three hundred colonel here's your money i'll take the lot all right says colonel p there's some coopering to be done on it some of the hoops and heads are a very little loose you shall have it all in the morning no colonel we'll roll it right out this minute my trucks are up there all ready and sure enough he had a string of a dozen or more brigaded in the street the colonel was sadly dumbfounded, he turned several colors, red mostly, stammered, made excuses. It was no go. The whiskey was the customer's, and the game was up. The humbugged old humbug finally came down and bought his man off by paying him several hundred dollars. There is a much older and better-known story about a grocer who was a deacon, and who was heard to call downstairs before breakfast to his clerk, "'John, have you watered the rum?' "'Yes, sir.' "'And sanded the sugar?' "'Yes, sir.' and dusted the pepper yes sir and chicoried the coffee yes sir then come up to prayers let us hope that the grocers of the present day while they adulterate less do not pray less between eighteen fifty one and eighteen fifty four mr wakeley of the london lancet gave an awful roasting to the adulteration interest in london he employed an able analyzer who began by going about without telling what he was at and buying a great number of samples of all kinds of food drugs etc at a great number of shops then he analyzed them and when he found humbug in any sample he published the facts and the seller's name and place of business it may be imagined what a terrible row this kicked up very numerous and violent threats were made but the lancet was never once sued by any of the aggrieved for it had told the truth perhaps some discouraged reader may ask what can i eat well i don't pretend to direct people's diet ask your doctor if you can't find out but i will suggest that there are a few things that can't be adulterated you can't adulterate an egg nor an oyster nor an apple nor a potato nor a salt codfish and if they are spoiled they will notify you themselves and when good they are all good healthy food in short one good safeguard is to use as far as you can things with their life in them when you buy them whether vegetable or animal the next best rule against these adulteration humbugs is to buy goods crude instead of manufactured coffee and pepper and spices etc whole instead of ground for instance thus though you give more work you buy purity with it and lastly there are various chemical processes and the microscope to detect adulterations and milk in particular may always be tested by a lactometer a simple little instrument which the milkmen use which costs a few shillings and which tells the story in an instant it is a glass bulb with a stem above and a scale on it and a weight below in good average milk at sixty degrees of heat the lactometer floats at twenty on its scale and in poorer milk at from that figure down 
If it floats at fifteen, the milk is one-fourth water. If at ten, one-half. It would be a wonderful thing for mankind if some philosophic Yankee would contrive some sort of ometer that would measure the infusion of humbug in anything. A humbugometer, he might call it. I would warrant him a good sale. End of chapter 18 Recording by Rosie